morning, everyone. It's good to uh, be with you this morning, whether it's online or in <clears throat> in the room. Uh, I just want to say the virus has changed some things, hasn't it? Uh, but there are some things that the virus cannot change. Uh, the virus cannot change the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world. The virus cannot change the fact that we will worship him, whether we're in the room or in our room, we worship him in our car. That doesn't change. But it's good to see you and be with you, those who are in the room, and good to uh, be with you who are online. So I want to take a step back today. As we open up the church again, I just want to take a step back and look one more time at the characteristics of a healthy church. And these apply to our individual life. But what does healthy church look like? Because the virus season has rocked our world. And what was once normal and healthy is now restricted because of the threat of the virus and becoming unhealthy. We've gone from hugs to handshakes right, to social distance and elbow bumps. We have gone from using a, the only time I ever used a hand sanitizer was in the hospital. Hmm? Now we're using it everywhere, everywhere. I use it at Wegmans on the way in and on the way out, sometimes in between. You know, it's like, and then we've gone from smiles with no mask where we read people's faces to, look, when I saw you this morning, I didn't know what was going on behind your mask, you know? And by the way, even if you put flowers on your mask, you look like a bank robber. I'm just saying today. So uh, the whole thing has changed, and church is different. We've gone from in-person gatherings uh, in early March, where it was unlimited number of people that could be in the room, from no gathering in the room to online church, now back to a few limited in the room and online church. I mean, unprecedented changes that never have taken place in the history of Christianity. We are living right now <clears throat> but there are some things right that uh that are different about this church you know um change has been a part of us from the very beginning we you know we've we've had to change some things like co you know coffee and donuts in the foyer that was so good wasn't it I mean, I began to believe you can't have not have church without Paulus, you know. And, and now it's like BYOCD, bring your own coffee and donuts uh, into the room. We've got our kids program, a team program, our Facebook live stream. Uh, it's been rocked. And so as we reopen this, I wanted to refocus on what our purpose is individually. Uh, that has not changed. And we just had to be a little bit more creative about how we execute it. And I am so thankful, by the way, for... Um, the churches that are a little bit ahead of us in the reopening process that have been able to speak into us and tell us how to face this thing. I want to thank Life Church in Oklahoma, Craig Rochelle. I want to thank New Next Level Church in Florida, Matt Keller. I want to thank Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands in Alabama. I want to thank North Point Community Church, Andy Stanley. I want to thank Carrie Newhoff, you know, for sharing what they've learned and what they know about this because it's a different time. But the mission and the purpose individually for us and as a church has never changed. You know, the church uh, was dedicated to certain things. So there's this church. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's in the Bible. It's called the Church of Antioch. And that was a church that was also doing it differently. And so I thought it'd be really good for us just to take a look at them today because the changes they made 
changed Christianity. So the name of the church was Antioch. It was a healthy church, great model to follow. Let me give you a little background. Antioch was the third largest city of the day. I had a behind, just behind Rome and Alexandria. Uh, it was a melting pot for East and West cultures. It sounds a little bit like the United States, huh? Uh, it was located on the, off the Mediterranean Sea, 20 miles, 300 miles north of Jerusalem. And that church had some things that happened for the first time. The first time, so foreign missions were born in the church at Antioch. The disciples were first called Christians at the church of Antioch. The first world missionary center was formed in Antioch. That became Paul's home base when he would go out on missionary trips. This conflict took place over whether Gentiles could be believers. It first took place in Antioch. Some of the greatest teachers of the day were in Antioch. It even followed into the first, second, and third century where the great teachers were housed there. It was a healthy church. And I think it's a church today that can help us focus on purpose and mission in the midst of some struggles, and I'll explain that in a minute. So here we go. Ready? Healthy church. A healthy church is not afraid to try new things. I've been thinking for the last 18 years that I have been here, things have changed. Things have changed in the last three years. We've gone from being one church in one location to two campuses in two locations. We've gone through a name change three years, two years ago from Akron Free to one church because one church was more inclusive. And we wanted people to know this was a place that they could belong. Bold move. We're not afraid to try new things. There was a group of people in the early days of our country, they were called the pioneers. And so they did stuff that nobody else had done. They went into parts of the United States that nobody else had been before. There were no towns. There were no businesses. There were no people. And they blazed the trail for other people to go to those spots. Well, Antioch was kind of like that kind of a church. They did what the church of Jerusalem didn't do. In Acts eleven nineteen, it says the Christians were scattered in Jerusalem because of persecution after Stephen's death. So they went to other towns, and I'll tell you what they did when they went to other towns. They went to the synagogue. They found the Jews. They thought they could only tell the message of Jesus to the Jews in the synagogue. And here comes the pivotal change. You ready? This was the pivotal change. However, some believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles. By the way, we're all in that group. We're all Gentiles. Anybody that's not Jewish is Gentile. About the Lord Jesus. The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed, and they turned to the Lord. I've underlined the part in my message notes where it says they were preaching to the Gentiles because that was one of the most strategic influential, critical, spirit-led moves that ever took place in the history of Christianity. Gentiles, anyone not, Jesus, not Jewish, are still hearing the message of the good news, but it started 2,000 years ago at the church of Antioch. Uh, here's how the movement began. If you follow it through the book of Acts, Philip told the Samaritans about Jesus. They were kind of half Jewish and half Gentile. And then in Acts 9 and 10, Philip tells Cornelius about Jesus, and he was just a Gentile. And then in Acts 11, now the Christians who were scattered because of the persecution were telling people everywhere. It didn't matter who they were. They were just telling people everywhere about Jesus. And then the news about what was going up in Antioch reached the headquarters of the church in Jerusalem. And you know what the headquarters of the church in Jerusalem said? Have you heard this before when you've been in a church? We've never done it that way before. Hmm? 
Yeah, we've never done it that way before. And, and uh, Antioch was not afraid to try new things. See, the most important and the most common cause of church failure, and churches are dropping these days because of what's going on, is the unwillingness to change the methods to still share the message. Yeah, so the biggest challenge of the church is to communicate the message of Jesus so that those who are without Jesus can hear the message in a way that they could understand. I put this in the notes. We change the methods without changing the methods. So we've changed some things. Like when I first came here, <clears throat> there were signs on the outside of the sanctuary doors, no drinks and food inside. Ever been in a church like that? We painted one time and I took them down. Forgot to put them back up. <laughs> yeah, we, we changed some stuff as far as drums and keyboard and guitars. I remember when the organ was over there and the piano was over here and the music changed. They had this monster pulpit when I first came here. It was a wraparound job. Have you ever seen those? And it was kind of tall. I looked so terrible behind it because I'm short. I'm like sticking my neck up above it. Now we've gone to teaching tables. To, why? Why? To remove the barriers that keep people who don't attend church from attending church. A healthy church is not afraid to try new things. The second thing is this. Uh, a healthy church is not afraid to share their faith. The Antioch story continues in Acts eleven twenty one. It says that God's hand was upon them. It says that a great number of people responded to the message of Jesus and made a first-time commitment to Jesus. In Acts eleven twenty two to 24, the news gets back to, to headquarters in Antioch. New people were making faith commitments to Christ. And so they sent both Paul and Barnabas, you know, up there to kind of check it out. But Barnabas goes first. And, and this is what happened when he went there. When he arrived, he saw this evidence of God's blessing. He was fil filled with joy. And he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. This last phrase, he encouraged the believers to stay true to the Lord. Paraphrase, keep it up. Just keep it up. Just keep doing what you're doing. It was so good that Barnabas went and got Paul, brought him back, and both of them taught in the Antioch church for a whole year. How lucky is that as a church, that you get Paul and Barnabas at the same time? I love it, though, that this church in Antioch, you know, they, they were fruitful. Jesus said this when he left. He said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. So how do you measure how do you measure the effectiveness of the church? I think there's, there's one way to measure it, that there's a main way to measure it, according to that verse, is there evidence of life being changed by Jesus in the church, yes or no? It may be some for the first time, it may be the some for the first time in a long time that returned to Christ, but is there evidence of that? And we tracked that last year. It's a little hard to track it now when you're online church, but 70 people last year that we know of made first-time commitments to Jesus, often in this room. Can I tell you what else was happening? Because we have this in America, too, that there are people who have been hurt by the church. They dropped out of the church. And they are finding their way back also. Tony Campola shares a story of when he was first in ministry, he spoke at a junior high camp. Bless the man who speaks at a junior high camp, huh? Yeah, so he spoke, and there was this boy named Johnny that was at the camp. And Johnny was a 12-year-old boy, and he had cerebral palsy. And when he was walking through the camp, he would walk like this, and he would drag his feet, and he talked with a stutter. So 
Some kids mocked him. But on the third day, he looked at Tony Campolo and he said, tonight, tonight can I give the devotional? And Tony said, yes. And that night, he shuffled to the pulpit to give the devotional and looked at the crowd when he was still shaking. In his broken voice, he said seven words. Jesus loves you. And so do I. Turned, shuffled off the platform, went back to his seat. That night in that camp, 50 junior high kids made a first-time commitment to Jesus. I thought to myself, if God could use Johnny and his voice and his situation, then Johnny, then Jesus can use us today. Amen? Yeah, so help the church not afraid to try new things, not afraid to share their faith. They schedule times of learning. Again, back to the scripture, it says this. When he found him, uh, Paul, he, Barnabas, brought him back to Antioch and both stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large groups of people. It was at Antioch that the followers, that the believers were first called Jesus. See, our main responsibility, one of our main responsibility as a church is to develop fully devoted followers of Jesus, to equip people to love and serve Jesus, to teach them. Because if we stop learning, we stop growing. So we got to keep learning. So I got to ask you a question today. Answer it personally. You don't have to raise your hand. Just answer it personally today. How far back do you have to go when you remember learning something for the first time? From the Bible, from a book you're reading about Christianity, from a person, from a message. How far back do you have to go? Was it a day? Was it a week? Was it a month? Better yet, when's the last time spiritually that you learned something for the first time? See, there are three ways I think we grow as believers and learn as believers. One is, one is our personal quiet time with God. What are you reading in your personal quiet time? Is it happening every day? You know, because learning is an ongoing thing in our life. Messages on Sunday is another way. We got our personal time and the times we gather. And then there are times we, we will gather with small groups of people. And in those times, as you share what you're learning about God, and I share what I'm learning about God, there is growth that takes place in our life. I wrote this down nine months ago. I started a, a journal out of the quiet time with God. I called it New Thoughts, Good Thoughts. And I would take a scripture or a thought from what I read that week and I would record it. I looked at it this morning. There are 35 pages. 35 pages. And I don't like to read. <laughs> 35 pages of little quotes and little things that God has taught me. You know why that's so valuable? Because I can scroll through New Thoughts, Good Thoughts. If I'm struggling with fear, <clears throat> I can go back and read the verses again. Because mother, uh, because, um, because the, the, the mother of all learning is repetition. Yeah, so the key, though, to learning is availability. I got to be available. I got to have a time when I get alone with God, just like you're doing right now, and you allow God to speak into your life. The fourth thing is this. They've settled the money issue. They've settled the money issue. And so um, the church at Antioch uh, heard about a famine that was taking place in Judah. And Roman history, by the way, 
If you don't believe the Bible, Roman history records the famine. And they did something about it. It says this, so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judah, everyone giving as much as they could. I'm kind of surprised. I'll tell you why, because they just left their hometown. They were in a new place. Can I tell you what else I'm surprised about? They were still reeling from the fact that friends and relatives of theirs were beaten and persecuted and some killed for the message of Jesus. They probably haven't eaten on the load of the U-Haul. They had their own needs spiritually and physically and financially. Yet they heard of a deep need. And guess what? They dug a little deeper. I think that the true measure of a church is not in what it takes is not in what it takes in but what it gives out we decided during this driver's period that we would take our budget that was set for the year and shift and take some money out of operating expenses and move it to missions so that we could meet needs as they came along we could just freely give out to those who were in need i heard of one this week that one of the, the men in our church, you know, who usually cuts his own fire road for winter was cutting. And he, he's was an older gentleman and he kind of had heart issues and uh, we bought wood. <laughs> so he doesn't have to cut it this winter. I could tell you about churches that were struggling financially that we sent, sent money to during this period. I don't say that in a proud way. I say that in a focused way. Because in the middle of us struggling every week with that underlying thing that the virus brings, there was a mindset that we need to help those who were in need. And may it always be that way. The fifth thing is a healthy church is a church that worships together. And when they worshiped, some great things happened. For instance, how about this? One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work that I have called them to. That's why we gather together. That's why we worship together. That's why we pray together so seriously. It's often in a setting like this that we draw close to God. Often in a setting like this that we hear his voice. Often like in this room, we receive instruction. We change what needs to change. Receive power to carry it out. One of the most devastating things that happened during this virus period was the NFL. You can't go watch games. You can't go see the Buffalo Bills this year. Although that's going to help church attendance. <laughs> But the game of football will be played the way the game of football was always played. We'll watch on TV. The teams will gather in a huddle. They'll call the play. They'll run the play. They'll gather in the huddle again and so on and so on. Sounds like Sunday at church, doesn't it? This is a holy huddle in which the body of Christ gathers we worship God. We encourage each other. We call the play. We say break. We go execute the plan for the week. We come back together again next week in a holy huddle. The church was designed to meet in large groups and in small groups. Online church is a brand new thing. The virus was not a surprise to God. I don't know who did it. I can't even hardly control it, and I don't know how it works. But somebody had the insight to do Facebook Live. Yeah? I know it's for your personal use, but can I tell you what happened? The church could use the tool of online church to keep meeting, even though we had to stop meeting in person. 
I remember when we announced a month ago that we were going to come back on this day and we'd meet in the room together. There was a lady who's been listening from Vermont that went in the comments section on Facebook Live and said, are you still going to meet online? This thing scales online church in a way nothing else can. There are people listening from other states in the country, and there are people listening from other countries. And so the, the thing that you would think would have caused the church to halt in its mission has used it to spread. Because one thing's true about the day we live in, people are looking for answers. And one of the places they look for answers is to the Father. This is good, huh? So the last thing is this. A healthy church will have people being sent into ministry. Um, this took place there. Follow along as I read. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, and they sent them on their way. They could have been selfish. <laughs> they could have said, we're keeping Paul and Barnabas right close to us, but they sent them. Because they sent them. church was formed in Corinth. A church was formed in Philippi. A church was formed in Ephesus. A church was formed in Thessalonica. A church was formed in Rome. I believe God has done the same thing here. We have sent and we have supported missionaries. And I call missionaries the sent ones. We've supported them in Southeast Asia. We've supported them in Haiti. We've supported them in Europe. We've supported them in Africa. A few years ago, there was a couple that came to our church, Dan and Linda, Linda Stinson. They went to reach people on Grand Island. There was a couple that attended at the, uh, since I've been here named Jim and Deb Labar, and they were sent to reach people in Fredonia, and they're doing it today. There was Jim and Jane Kendall who went to reach people in North Tonawanda, and now they're in Florida. There was John and Linda Heineke who, Heineke who were sent to reach people in Wampsville. And then today, one of, the, one of the church planners we sponsored in the Christmas offering, a guy named Scott Lackey and his, his wife are ready to launch a church. Can I tell you what's unique about the church they're launching today? They have no building. They're launching a new church online today. Is that amazing? I just celebrate that today. I just celebrate that fact. And then six years ago, there was this couple, <clears throat> Mark and Rebecca Rouse. Who we sent to start a church in Amherst Clarence area. Six years ago, they, they worshipped in the, the Dipson Theaters in the Eastern Hills Mall. They were a portable church. They went in and set up worship kids and guest services, packed it up and left. They outgrew the Dipsons. They went to the Regal Theaters. They were a portable church. They went in and set up guest services and worship and kids ministry. Last week, they moved into a permanent location. Portable is behind them. What a joy it was to be there last week and just watch as this new church experienced the excitement of being in a new place and what God would do in that place. The Sears Auto Center in the Eastern Hills Mall has been transformed. If you haven't heard, there's no car lifts, there's no smell of oil, there's no air hoses. <laughs> Everything's new. 
It used to be a place where people brought their cars that were broken and needed repair. It has a renewed purpose. To give broken people, discouraged people, spiritually lost people, and connect them to Jesus. The methods of Epic Church have changed, but the methods message hasn't. Our DNA as a church has been to be ascending church. And I believe in being ascending church for a few reasons. Because the greatest mission known to man was when God sent his son to earth to redeem people who were far from God. I believe in being ascending church because the world will never be brought to Jesus. Listen close. The world will never be brought to Jesus until Jesus is brought to the world. I believe in being ascending church because Jesus commanded us to go and tell other people the good news of the Savior. I believe in being ascending church because it's meant so much to me when Jesus came into my life. But I can't be content until everyone we're supposed to reach as a church is reached. I don't know if you heard that point. So if you did, just let me know that you did. And if you're listening online, put it in the comment section. I just want you to say amen. I, I don't, I, it means so much to me because I can't be content until everyone we're supposed to reach knows Jesus as their Savior. And the church said, amen. So, we will continue to send and reach as many as we can in any way we can for as long as we can. I was talking to a children's worker from another church, and they're doing the same thing. They're beginning to gather and to think about adding kids in a little bit. And she called one of the main workers on her team and said, hey, you know, you are not responding to the emails. Are you coming back? And can you help me out as we plan for this thing? And the person said, uh, she said, I'm just being honest with you. She said, during the virus period, I drifted from God. I'm not where I was. I got to find my way back. I thought to myself when I heard this story, how many people that this virus period has caused them just to drift a little bit in their walk with God. So, closing question to those listening. Do you need to connect with Jesus for the first time in your life? It's the most important decision you're ever going to make. You say, Pastor Rick, how do I do that? You just repeat some words. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I want to follow you. Connect with him today. Here's another one. Do you need to connect with Jesus for the first time in a long time? If the change of the virus season messed up your habits, return to him today. Let this be the day that you turn around and go back and draw close to him. Amen? Father, I thank you for today. I ask you to take these words and apply them to our hearts. Help them to bring change. In the name of Jesus, amen.